Chapter Fifty Three of House, Garden, and Field by L. C. Meal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bit by bit invention, teeth and scales. Whenever we are able to study closely the conversion of structures to new uses, we find that the process is gradual. This is in general true of human inventions too, though the progress of man in the useful arts may far outstrip the slow and sure course of nature. But there are very few human inventions which are made suddenly, all at one time. Nearly always we find upon inquiry that they are founded upon ruder prototypes. A hastily cut log is put beneath the big stone, which has to be moved by a few hands. A second log is added to lift the stone clear of the ground, and then a third to shift to, while the first is being carried to the front. This completes the first stage of the new invention. The next thing is to fix the rollers permanently to the slow and heavy cart, hitherto dragged by main force over the fields. Then the rollers are increased in diameter and shortened in length. They become thin, transverse slices of trees, or built-up solid wheels, such as may still be seen in some eastern countries. The wheel with nave, spokes, and rim is harder to make, but it does not crack so easily, and it weighs much less. A rim of brass or iron gives additional strength. Then comes the smooth iron bearing, and the tire shrunk on by cooling. In the end, we get the locomotive wheel of compressed paper, with steel tire and self-acting lubricator, ready to run a thousand miles a day for years together. This bit-by-bit -bit discovery is just in the spirit of nature, though nature is slower than man, and her adaptations more exquisite. Every new idea is tested a thousand times over, and only adopted for good when approved by the most conclusive test the practical superiority of those who have it over those who have it not. To try all things and hold fast that which is good is the essence of natural selection. Let us work out one example as a parallel to the chain of discoveries by which the locomotive wheel has been attained. The fishes of the sea long ago found out the advantage of a nail-studded hide and were able to arm themselves with nails of suitable size and hardness developed out of the tissues of the inner skin. These nails had a broad base of attachment and a sharp point, generally pointing backwards towards the tail. The tip was often hardened by enamel, a contribution from the outer skin. Such nails made shark skin very hard to bite, and the unpleasantness of trying to bite it may be estimated by the fact that one old form of file, still used by cabinet makers, is made by wrapping shark skin round a stick of wood. The usefulness of these defenses led to further developments. In some cases, the broad base was enlarged and enlarged until it became a shield, protecting the softer parts within. Such a development we see in the bony plates of the head and flanks of a sturgeon. To the same origin may be traced the scales of common fishes, and even the bones of the top of the skull, most of which are what are technically called membrane or skin bones. The parietal and frontal bones, which protect the brain of man, can be derived by a long series of steps, from nails in the skin of a fish hard-pressed by greedy enemies. But the nails in the skin have given rise to another structure of quite different uses. On the lips, where the outer skin passes into the mouth, the nails changed their shape and grew long, dropping by degrees the wide plate at the base and becoming lodged in the jaws instead. At first the gums bore several rows of these altered scales, but the number gradually lessened as the size grew and at last we see what slow and gradual change can effect. The teeth of a quadruped, large, strong, and tipped with enamel, 
are simply one extreme form of the primitive nails in the shark skin. By leaving out the central prong and developing the base, membrane bones have been attained. By leaving out the basal plate and developing the prong, teeth have been formed. When the invention of teeth became a practical success, it was perfected in a thousand different ways according to the various needs of toothed animals. We now find conical, pointed teeth, bayonet-shaped teeth, saw-edged teeth, which enlarge the wound and avoid jamming, chisel-shaped teeth, which by means of the unequal hardness of their constituents keep always sharp, teeth with rounded studs for crowns, pavement teeth, and folded teeth with ridges and hollows of unequal hardness so that they never wear smooth. The anglerfish has hinged teeth, which bend inwards easily, but cannot be forced outwards, and detain the struggling prey as in a trap. The pike has a whole mouth and gullet crowded with teeth. The male narwhal has only one functional tooth, but this is several feet long, half the length of the body. Not less various are the situations in which teeth are developed. The edges of the jaws are the places usually chosen, but the roof of the mouth is often armed with teeth also. Some fishes which swallow their prey whole have backward-pointing teeth, projecting from all parts of the mouth. Even the gill arches, bony and jointed hoops, primarily intended to spread out the gill filaments, are made to bear teeth, and the last gill arch in many fishes loses its respiratory character altogether, becoming transformed to a single or double tooth-bearing plate which underlies the gullet. The upper parts of other gill arches may also expand into broad tooth-bearing plates, steadied by attachment to the skull. In some fishes, the lower plate plays upon the upper one, and forms together with it a pharyngeal mill able to grind up the food. Where a highly peculiar instinct calls for the development of teeth in a quite unexpected place, the adaptation of some structure originally intended for a different purpose may be of startling singularity. Wherever there is epiderm, or its equivalent, enamel can be developed. Wherever there is derm, inner skin, or its equivalent, dentin can be developed and these two things are the ordinary components of teeth. But the tooth must also have a supporting base, and it is here that the greatest ingenuity is displayed. A certain African snake, the Dasapeltis or egg-eater of the Cape Colony, lives upon eggs. This food is no doubt both wholesome and agreeable, but it is not without its difficulties. If the snake breaks the egg before eating it, what becomes of the yolk? If it eats the egg before breaking it, what becomes of the shell? Dasapeltis calls to its aid the outstanding processes of its neck vertebrae. These were primarily intended to serve for the attachment of muscles, but now they are made to change their directions and to stand forward through the muscles into the throat. They become tipped with enamel like true teeth. Dasapeltis swallows the egg whole, breaks it in the gullet by its vertebral teeth, and when the contents are swallowed, discards the shell. Human invention has this great advantage over what we are compelled to call the invention of nature that it can readily take shortcuts. When man has once laid hold of a real improvement, all the steps by which that improvement was attained become a mere matter of antiquarian curiosity. When the light wheel, built up of nave, spokes, and tire, has once been got, we give up cutting sections of tree trunks. But nature goes back to the beginning time after time. Stages of development, long superseded, may be abbreviated or disguised, but they are not quickly lost. The higher animals begin their individual lives as simple cells, very like, at least superficially, to amoebae, or to the cells which compose the colonies of the lowest protozoa. 
In the further course of their development, they may reproduce as transitory structures, organs which they have never actually used since the time when the Silurian rocks were forming. Fresh organs are nearly always made by giving a new shape to old ones. Hence the patient ingenuity of nature is fettered by a load of tradition, and not a few structures which we perceive to be exquisitely fitted for their place were originally meant for something else. The development of every animal is a condensed history of adaptations. End of chapter 53